There are a lot of things that matter to me. Family, community, culture, and peace of mind. Hi, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and when balancing life, I have to say nothing brings more comfort than having support. And when it comes to ensuring those things that matter to you the most, State Farm offers the support with an agent available in person or on the phone to discuss your coverage options. Support when you need it, however you choose. That's State Farm's way. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound... Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, let me let me talk my talk. Here we go. Uh. I said you living life as a gringo. Where you question where you fit and every time you mingle. They say you do this with not enough that. My rapping is really bad. Yes, yes. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Life as a Gringo. I am Dramos, of course. I know what you're thinking. I, I was talking a big game about being on vacation, taking some time off, being on a hiatus, right? But here I am bringing you a brand new episode. But your boy got a really cool offer, uh, a really dope kind of collaboration that I'm excited about. And scheduling wise, it just didn't work out until we were kind of in between seasons. And I really want to make it happen and really get to meet these amazing people um, who are a part of the L Huddle podcast, which is uh, an NFL weekly football preview show. It's hosted by Will Selva from uh, Good Morning Football and MJ Acosta Ruiz from NFL Total Access. And just really exciting stuff that they're doing over there. And I was so honored that I would be asked to be a part of that. We wanted to kind of do a really dope collab of bringing our audiences together. So I couldn't turn that down. I'm a football fan. My Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we are 
in first place right now. We are holding our fate in our own hands. Baker Mayfield is baking right now. So I am beyond excited about NFL. I couldn't turn this down. I had to, you know, kind of pop out of my cave a little bit, which let's be honest, y'all. If you know me, I've been I've been working this entire time. Basically, I just haven't been doing podcasts. But anyway, okay, so what's going to happen is I'm going to bring you an interview that I did with uh, MJ Acosta Ruiz, who is just an incredible human being. Really, really excited to have gotten uh, the opportunity to sit down with her. So we are going to bring you that interview, right? And then also you'll be able to hear the interview that I did because I went on their show, El Huddle, um, which was amazing. And I got to to do an interview with the both of them, which was incredible. And again, El Huddle, you got to go check that out. It's a really dope podcast. It's with a, a little Spanglish twist talking about the NFL. And man, just amazing to see our people out there in areas that were not quote unquote, supposed to be, right? So really just amazing. I'm excited to bring you this special episode. I felt really just motivated and empowered and just warm and fuzzy inside after having this conversation with MJ. So I hope y'all feel the same and I hope you are enjoying an amazing holiday season. Without further ado, let's get into my interview with MJ Acosta Ruiz as a part of our Mi Gente segment. Mi Gente. My guest today is one of the hosts of the El Huddle podcast and also reporter for the NFL Network, MJ Acosta Ruiz. How you feeling? Woo! I'm feeling so, so good, especially um, getting to be on with you today. This is this is awesome. We need more conversations entre nosotros, ¿verdad? Entre nos. The, the beauty of, of having you on the show is, A, you're from New York originally, right? So we have that that in common over here. I also love that you called your husband a New Yorican, right? I feel very yeah, much uh, at home because my father still calls me a New Yorican because he was born <laughs> on the island. So, uh, yeah, so I'm feeling very much at home right now in, in all of this. But I think what's what's incredible about you and what I really was excited to to have you come on the show was because this whole show is about like living in your otherness, right? And embracing yeah. your otherness. And you exist in otherness in a variety of different ways, right? You are first 100%. and foremost, a woman in sports, right? Which mm-hmm. is a, a minority. You are a woman of, in, uh, of color in media, which is a minority. Yeah. Um, you are a Latina in the world of football, which is uh, <laughs> even more of a minority. And then right. also when it, when it comes to our culture, you represent a part of our culture that sadly traditionally hasn't seen much representation that is as right. an Afro-Latina, right? So right. when when I talk about the idea of, of embracing your otherness, what comes to mind for you? I think it's that. I think it's it's not only leaning into the otherness, but making making sure that you can stand on that proudly um, mm. while you recognize that there are others that are in that otherness, right? So like for me growing up, I never saw myself reflected on the mm. screen. So I never thought that a career in, in this space was even available to me, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. But for me, the otherness feels very much like a superpower. Um, it has been something that I've worn like a badge of honor where many times, and to be completely frank, I operate in a space where straight white men are the norm. And mm-hmm. they are the majority. Um, so walking in there, it's easy to get intimidated, right? It's easy to try and have to shrink yourself. And certainly the mm-hmm. industry and bosses along the way and folks along the way have tried to minimize me for mm-hmm. my otherness. And I did the exact opposite. I said, uh-uh, this is what makes me stand out. 
for you guys, it's for the worse on occasion, right? Because of your mm -hmm. stigmas, because of your inherent biases, because of whatever stereotypes or tropes you have about me and my culture or whatever mm -hmm. you think the perception is. But for me, I know how powerful this makes me. So I'm going to walk in here. If you feel uncomfortable, that's on you, homie, because I'm here to All do right. my job and I can do it well and I can do things that you could never. Right. <laughs> I, I love that you said superpower because I always say authenticity is your superpower. Right. Yep. And I, it, it is. But, you know, the the tough part about owning that superpower is also you bear the weight of everybody mm -hmm. else not wanting to celebrate you in the way that you see yourself. Right. Because I think, right. you know, traditionally people are just trained to want to see more of what they're used to. Right. I mean, it's why 100%. media has looked the same way it's looked for as long as it has. Right. And you're fighting and pushing against that. But even for you more than anything, you're going into a, a culture that has that stigma in general, when it comes to people of color, but B, you're now going into a, a sports world that you said is, like you said, is dominated by mostly straight white men. Um, you have a lot of people that are your coworkers who were maybe pro athletes at one point, right, were involved in the game in some sort of right. way. And I can imagine you have to push back from day one against the stigma of what the hell does this woman know about our sport, right? So I'd, I'd love to, to hear maybe about how you were able to, man, just push back against maybe some of that inevitable fear or, or, um, you know, yeah, I don't know, just uncomfortableness that comes along with stepping into a space like this. Yeah. You know, it recently was at an, an event celebrating, um, black Latino and AAPI, um, folks in Hollywood here. Mm -hmm. Um, and America Ferreira got up there and she said exactly that to your words, that being the first and being the only means that you have fought against friction on a mm. concrete basis that does not want to be shaken. Mm -hmm. Those words are going to ring true with me for so long because that's exactly what I've endured, not just in my life culturally and as I've, I was growing up and finding who I really was and still am, <laughs> um, mm. but certainly in the world of sports and media and television. Um, and so for me, what I've learned is you have to push back, even if your voice is quivering, even if you're scared as hell, and mm. even and especially when there are real big consequences on the other side because yeah. those moments are so defining, not just for a peak moment in your career or in your life, but against that system that doesn't want to change and desperately has to change to mm. adapt to what not only the audience and what the people inside are asking for and pleading for, um, but for the, for the greater good so that everyone can feel like they're represented. And that inclusion part is mm -hmm. something that I think a lot of corporations still don't get. So mm -hmm. if I have to take the brunt of it, and I certainly have across my career, then I will. But at least I'll sleep okay at night. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. And what's what's funny to me is like, we can kind of write off, oh, it's just media, it's entertainment, it doesn't really mean anything, right? But I think what a lot of people fail to realize is it shapes the way that we sort of see the outside world, right? right. And what is normal to us on the television screen is inevitably going to be normal to us outside of that as well when we step into the real world, you know? So, I mean, for anybody that tries to kind of, um, I don't know, kind of maybe try to take away a bit of, of the work that you are doing, right? And, and myself included, I mean, what's kind of your message as to why it's so important to fight for inclusion in the world of, of entertainment as a whole? 
one, I think, especially for the Latino community, we are, and let's just talk about the U.S. specifically, right? Because yeah. God forbid we talk about what's going on outside of here. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. a whole other podcast. Um, <laughs> we are the fastest growing demographic in the United States. So yeah. we cannot and should not be ignored, not only with our spending power, but also the impact that we're having culturally mm. on this country. So I think when, even if you're just talking from a purely business standpoint, which of course you and I, you know, Sotros, mm-hmm. we don't see it that way. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a demographic that cannot be ignored and we won't keep quiet because inherently that's just not what we do. Right. We're going to know that we're here. Um, but <laughs> the importance of the representation um, and I think the intersectionality part of it with the Black community, w- within the Latino community and how those two bleed together, the AAPI community as well, the LGBT- LGBTQ community, um, mm-hmm. there's so much intersectionality. and so when one of us is speaking up and showing that we can not only succeed, but we can break these norms, all of us start to come together a little bit more. And all of us are reaching for that collective inclusion. Mm. Yeah, that's so well said. And I think even, you know, we've talked obviously right now kind of as the greater good, the whole, you know, um, itself, but kind of going a little bit more into our culture, right? Because we still have work to do within our own culture as well. No question. Um, and and I, 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 for me even, you know, because this conversation of uh, Afro-Latinos, Afro-Latinas is a far more new conversation, right, mm-hmm. as far as mm-hmm. real representation goes and, and, and making that distinction. And even within that, I've sort of had to check my own privilege, right, and sure. and learn, right, and be quiet and learn and listen to other people within the community who have had struggles that I can't personally relate to, right? right. And I, I would love to hear a bit more about you growing up you know, as an Afro-Latina, because I mean, I can imagine, you know, it's got to be difficult in sort of explaining to somebody what your background is or who you are, right? The immediate perception right. is that you are a, a Black woman, right? And and that's mm-hmm. true in, in some ways, but right. also there's more to it, right? So right. I love to, to kind of hear, even just within our own culture, kind of your own experience as an Afro-Latina and, and kind of figuring out who you were within that. Yeah. I mean, how much time you got? Um, it's, it's, it's your point. It is complex. It's very layered and it's really, really nuanced. Um, mm-hmm. my family is from the Dominican Republic, right? So I think it's, it's a key piece of my journey of my struggle. Um, and I think a big part of that is also breaking the generational traumas, right? Mm-hmm. The colorism, which is a very, very real thing within the Latino community, but certainly yep. on Hispaniola in the Dominican Republic, if you just see, how um, the Haitian community is treated by the Dominican community. And not Mm -hmm. all, of course not, of course not all, but like an overwhelming part of the folks on the island still see Aldo Haitianos as a different thing Mm -hmm. because they think they don't speak Spanish. And I say they think they don't speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. They most certainly do. Um, So it's, it's, again, it goes back to that intersectionality, the colonizing, the generational Mm -hmm. trauma of being told the more Eurocentric you are, that ties in directly to Pelo malo, pelo mm-hmm. bueno. I mean, I think mm-hmm. I got a hair relaxer when I was like nine or 10 years old. Why, wow. Lord? Why? <laughs> and wow. again, this wasn't coming, you know, my tia and my mom and my grandmas, they weren't coming from a place of malice, right? Sure. They wanted me to be as successful as possible. And what mm-hmm. they were taught and what their ancestors were taught before that was that the closer to whiteness you are, the more accepted mm-hmm. and the more palatable and the more successful you will be. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of deprogramming that I had to do along the way. And still, you know, now I'm all, almost 40 years old. 
Mm. Um, and I'm, I've, it's really taken a long time to really sit with who I am, what my ancestry really is, that we are Black, that we are Latino, mm-hmm. and both of those things and so much more exists all at the same time. They're not mutually yeah. exclusive of each other. Um, mm-hmm. And that's something that I think still so many of my family members and generations to come will still have to work through. But it's a very deep conversation and it goes back through trauma that has pass, been passed down to us for mm-hmm. so many centuries. So it, it's, I hope that more folks in our community will lean deeper into that, into really understanding our history and the history mm-hmm. of our islands and how we got here because it, it's a long, lifelong journey. Um, for all of us to fully understand where we come from and why we feel the way we do about certain things. Yeah, no, 100%. I love how you said the idea of like deprogramming, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, to your point, our family members weren't moving from a place of like negativity or yeah. malice. They legitimately right. thought this was the best way to give yes. my kids an opportunity, you know, that I didn't have. Right. I mean, it's mm-hmm. the reason why I don't speak Spanish fluently, even though both of my parents are 100% fluent in Spanish. Right. It's because yeah. they chose English was going to be my main thing to give me an easier path in life. Right. right. And, you know, it's, as the world changes, right, as we begin to know more, we begin to do better and, and all of these things. And I think, you know, um, we have the privilege of, of just access to the world as a whole, right, in, right. A, in a far deeper and vast way than our parents did. So we can mm-hmm. get a lot more information and resources um, than the previous generations. All right, I'm going to hop in here real quick. We'll take a pause on the conversation. We'll take a quick break and then we'll be right back. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts i'm elia connie and this is family therapy my best hopes i guess identify the life that i want and and work towards it i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So... How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back now. I'm curious, you know, on this idea of deprogramming on your journey of like really walking in your authenticity, right? Because I think I've, I've seen on like your social media, even just talking about the idea of authenticity before. Um, was there like your, did you have like a come to Jesus moment where you were just kind of like, I'm stepping into like my ownness and whoever can accept it, yeah. so be it. Oh, no question. I worked from the start of my career was in local news. Um, mm-hmm. So I think any of you, if you just flip through the local news channels, it's very much, it's changing a bit, but it's very much a cut and paste. You wear this color, your hair is like this, you talk mm-hmm. like this. And that is by design, right? Because sure. I think a lot of it is not detracting from the story, not making it about you. Um, and I agree to a point, but there's also something about reflecting the audience that you serve, right? So mm-hmm. if we're not stepping into these spaces and certainly on a screen in our full authenticity, how is our community supposed to feel like they can trust us. So mm-hmm. when I was working in local news and I had moved now away from the East Coast where I had a lot of access to other Dominican hairstylists who could work with my curly mm-hmm. hair could, that could, you know, make it pin straight because that's what I was told would mm-hmm. make me not just what would make me successful, but was the only option mm-hmm. for me to step through those doors to have the position that I had. Mm-hmm. This is the box. You got to fit in it or you got to get out. Yeah. And so I was working in San Diego in Southern California, and um, it got to a point where I thought my hair was going to all fall out. I had mm. no more Dominican hairstylists. I had to do this on my own. I was damaging mm. my hair. I was like, child, I'm about to be bald. Like, this is not <laughs> this is not going to be cute for anybody now. Right. <laughs> so one day I walked into work and I had my natural risos and I was like, mm. Lord Jesus. I didn't run this by anybody. I didn't say anything to anybody. Let's just see. I mean, half the staff didn't even recognize me, right? I'm like, guys, mm. it's still my face. Like, yeah, relax. right. Um, and I was like, but this is it. This is what you get today. And a couple of folks yeah. were like, oh, well, this is a look. I'm like, this mm. is how it grows out of my head. But sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. And to my pleasant surprise, the reaction from the viewers was so positive. Mm. They're like, my daughter has curly hair. My girlfriend has curly hair. The players that I was speaking to, yo, my kids have hair like yours. Like, what are you using? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. And it seems so trivial, right? But like, mm-hmm. especially for women, especially for black and brown women, your sure. hair is a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. big deal. So for me, leaning into that part, I felt more like myself than I ever had, certainly in my entire career and probably mm. in my whole life. Um, and I think that, yeah, to be honest with you, the the validation that other folks felt it too definitely served as an impetus for me to keep going and to fully lean into it. And that was January of, I think, 2018. And I have mm. not straightened my hair since. 
That's beautiful. It's uh, funny. Like, yeah. yeah, no. And, and I, it's, it's funny. Like I, I always kind of like say this when speaking about kind of what holds people back or, or even, um, what is just so empowering about one person co-signing what you do. It's like, sometimes that's right. all we need to like mm-hmm. have us just then go down the right path. You know what I mean? Like, and to not feel alone. Get, exactly. Exactly. And, and, and it's funny, like as human beings, as connected as we are, I feel like societally we've been trained to think all our problems are our own and they, they right. exist in a bubble, right? We're not mm-hmm. universal in those things. And it's, it's just so funny. Like, when you just that door creeps open for you just yeah. how inviting and it's inviting you literally yeah. like your whole life changes and the course kind of changes and i'm speaking kind of like um you know for myself like when i i yeah. you know have, my big start was in like radio and like top 40 radio right so like yeah. i was trying to sound like the top 40 radio people <laughs> and <laughs> i was i wasn't getting great feedback on it right it was like you know a box that i had to fit into because it wasn't it you was, Exactly. And then ironically, when I just started kind of speaking like myself, like I normally would, that was when doors started opening, you know, for me. And that's when, you know, A, my career began to kind of start to to happen. But B, I felt more like myself than ever. And it's just funny how it's just that small, like, cosign that you need to, like, keep pushing you to kind of explore, explore, explore until you've gone down this path that you probably can't recognize yourself anymore. No question. No question. And I think that once you for me, it was less about the validation and more mm. so a responsibility. Mm. Like, okay, there are other folks who need this too. It's not just yeah. me. To your point, like you're not in a vacuum. None of this yeah. happens in a vacuum, right? But especially mm-hmm. for those in media, we do serve a community, right? We're not just talking here for ourselves. Like yeah. the information that we're disseminating, the conversations that we have are for the greater purpose, not to get all philosophical or whatever. Sure. But it is important for the folks that we serve to understand where we're coming from. And more often than that, when you do that genuinely, um, it reaches the people that really need to hear it. And for me, once that happened, I was like, okay, there's there's a bigger, there's a bigger push here than just, mm-hmm. you know, me embracing this huge part of my culture and me feeling more, more in tune with who I am and and, and really yeah. accepting myself. Other mm-hmm. people need this too. So that was really important for me. Yeah, no. And, and, but the irony is on the flip side of it, it's also a burden that you carry, right? Because Mm -hmm. you, you're not just speaking for yourself. You're speaking for an entire group of people, right? And Mm -hmm. you become the representation for maybe people who don't have any sort of idea about, uh, you know, Latin culture whatsoever. You are now the one Latin person they know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So like everything you do or say, they think speaks for every single Latino, right? And then also, Maybe what you don't say or what you don't respond to also speaks volumes, especially in the social media era that we live in, right? So Correct. I'd be curious how you navigate that a little bit, right? Because, yeah. you know, you're in this sort of, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's gotten better, but, you know, traditionally speaking or generally speaking, it's a perfect sort of um, recipe for toxic masculinity, right? A workplace <laughs> where it's just all former jocks, essentially, right? And, and yeah. all in one place, right? And they're just yeah. talking about man, man stuff all day, right? Yeah. And when one of them, be it your co-host, somebody on the network, whatever yeah. it is, might say something that is off-putting or offensive or um, doesn't represent what you feel, right? What your values are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, it's almost like if you're sitting there, you have this choice to make where you have to kind of, I don't know if you have to kind of respond or whatever. I'm sure there's some sort of pressure. I'm curious how you yeah. navigate that a little bit. Sure. Um, I will say my current, where I am now, I'm very, very lucky. 
Um, mm. Because I think also, and I cover specifically the NFL now, but I've covered every sport under the sun before getting sure. to the NFL network. Um, and in a league where 70%, if not more of the players are black, mm. uh, identify as black, most of the former players that I work with are also black. Um, mm. And so we have this organic connection mm. because we share that in common. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the ones who aren't, I think being a woman in the space, so many of them, their wives are very into the game. So I have, I'm closer with like a lot of my coworkers' wives that I, and, and I, I take that as a point of pride, right? Like, sure. all right, sis, what do you need? What can I do for you? And vice versa, right? They support me. They lift me up, but it's such a beautiful, yeah. um, fulfilling aspect of the job that I do, that I can have the connection with these people, with these former players, with Mm -hmm. Hall of Famers, really. Um, And it's been a point of pride for me because um, I think that they see me for who I really am. Um, Many of them have daughters, so they, Mm -hmm. it really means a lot when they're like, my daughters look up to you. I hope that they can use you as an example of resilience, of strength. And I'm like, I hope that they don't have to be this resilient and this strong. Mm-hmm. Right, right. My back hurts. I don't want their back to her. I'm carrying <laughs> too much. I'm going to do right. it. I'm going to yeah. do it. But it's heavy. But I have yeah. been in situations where I'm like, okay, one of two things is going to happen. Mm. I'm either going to get fired or I'm going to catch a case. Because if this mm. person talks to me like this one more time, and right. they will always try you, you know? Mm-hmm. The great part of it is it's never been an athlete. And I think mm. that's partially a a big misconception the guys are Mm. used to being um in slightly more diverse areas because a lot of them come from that space or a lot of these athletes were raised by strong women so they have no Mm -hmm. problem with it it's the insecure men who Mm -hmm. could not make it right period to the league who want to talk to (laughs) me like i've never played a snap of football when's the last time you laced them up homie like right right, right, right but you right. know what let me not get petty let me not get petty let me not get petty <laughs> on your podcast okay. that is what well, by the way that's a great okay. double standard that's not spoken about enough is like like people be like well what does a woman know about sports well what does a guy who just sits on his couch every day every sunday drinking beer know about like genuinely playing the game you know what i mean but we're okay with that that's never a question please stop talking to me about your fantasy league i'm the, the right. number one spot i'm almost <laughs> in the playoffs in both of my fantasy you know what I'm saying? But like talk that there talk. are many, many, many men who cover yeah. sports who are considered experts who never right. stepped foot on the field. But they sure. never questioned. Ever yeah. questioned. By contrast, I was on the field mm-hmm. in a different capacity. I was an NFL cheerleader and I wear that mm-hmm. with pride. But it's very few people who get access to the field that closely. And I was already sure. a sports reporter when I did cheer for the Miami Dolphins. So Mm. I had not only the best seat in the house, the best vantage point to watch the game develop in front of me, a game that I was already covering because I already knew the game. So I got to Mm. see it develop in a different way. I got to hear the calls. I got to, I could tell you if that was a catch or not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So it, it, and I learned the business side of it working for it. Well, so I think there's, there's so many things that a lot of people at the beginning of my career were like, Oh, you shouldn't tell people that you were a cheerleader. Excuse you. Right. How hard it was to make this team, first of all. Right. <laughs> yeah. Second, it is still to this day one of the biggest learning points in my professional journalism and sports career, for sure. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, to to the to your point about uh, deciding if you're going to catch a case or not, um, I think it's <laughs> it's it's like again when we talk about the unfair burden, right? That's like placed on our on our shoulders yes. because it's like. You have to hope that you have a 
person in a position of power that gets it and backs you up for like defending yourself or understanding in that moment that if you don't speak up, you're going to then be crucified on the other end of it. Right. And that is walking a very fine line. And then it's on top of all that, right? Because that's something I can relate to. But on top of that, then it's the stereotype of you're the angry woman or the angry black woman, right? Exactly. All of those things mm-hmm. begin to then tack on to it. You're the crazy Latina. Whatever. Exactly. Right, right. Exactly. So it's like you're walking an even finer lineup. And I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to get you to like sell anybody out or anything, but I'm, you know, no. how do you navigate that like mentally and, and, and sort of like, I guess, where do you pick and choose your battles would be the way to, to ask that. The reality of it is it's a lose-lose. Right. Mm-hmm. So you you got to pick which consequence you want to deal with. Right. Sure. Do you want to deal with being disrespected, with being minimized, with being marginalized, with me being made to feel small, with people shutting you out, with people trying to mm-hmm. bury you, with not being able to advance really the way that you want to? Or do you deal with while well, having a step into your boss's office? Mm-hmm. More often than not, I chose the latter. <laughs> I chose the latter <laughs> yeah. because even though and I think a lot of Latinas can relate to this. Mm-hmm. Um, I and I'll only speak for myself here. Sure. I because we're not a monolith. I was raised very much to mind my p's and q's. Right. Mm-hmm. Siéntate calladita. Don't talk back to people. Calladita yep. te ves más bonita. Don't ruffle mm-hmm. feathers. Just keep your head down and go, and you'll yeah. be okay. But in the same breath, I would see my mom and my tías cut somebody out if they were doing something right. that wasn't right. You know, so I was <laughs> right, like, right, well, right, which yeah. one is it? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and I think the point of it is: is the juice worth the squeeze? And for me, when mm-hmm. it comes to my integrity, when it comes to my knowledge, and when certainly when it comes to my job, because this is my livelihood. This is how I put mm-hmm. food on the table. This is yeah. how I'm making things better for generations to come in my family. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to stay quiet, and I'm not going to sit here and be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, "Okay, well, I don't know. Maybe I misunderstood that." No, he said what he said. Right. Well, she said what she said, and I know exactly what they meant when they said it. Mm-hmm. So. For me, I can't sit. I'm an empath. So I wear my heart on my sleeve. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here with this knot in my stomach or this lump in my throat because mm-hmm. it also affects my job at the end of the day regardless. So yeah. if I can't perform because I'm feeling and I'm bearing and I'm holding all of these things. It's not good regardless. So right. I rather get it out, say what I have to say, sometimes in a corporate clapback, right? Mm-hmm. I maintain my position on these thoughts is I said what I said. Um, So sometimes you have to find a way to say it, right? It's not what you say, but how you say it. But I am of the mindset, you always speak up for yourself and you always say what's right. You know, sometimes, again, even if you're scared to, that's the time when you need to do it the most. And it's not an easy thing to do at all. No, absolutely. But I I think on the, the other side of it, it's, you know, we're blessed to be doing jobs that we've dreamed about doing, I'm sure, you know, for since we were kids. No but question. it's a part of the dream is not muting myself, right? Like mm. the part of like I'm not actually living my dream if I feel like I'm not getting to be authentic, if I'm constantly censoring right. myself, if I'm living in fear of of losing everything based upon me being myself, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that is is sort of I think the the mentality a lot of people have to adapt. You know what I mean? That I think yeah. it's important to stand for something, right? More than than yes. a, more than being able to get a check or more than being able to say that you have this job at the end of the day to feel comfortable in the situation and feel like you're not being sort of stepped on. You're not being put in a corner somewhere. Um, I think that is something that money can't buy at the end of the day, right? That that's a, that's a real spiritual connection to yourself that, um, that I think is 
essential for all of us to truly be fulfilled, you know, like legitimately be fulfilled as, as human beings. I mean, you hear a lot in the Latino community. I, um, I, I partially grew up in, in Miami after New York, we moved down to mm-hmm. Miami and, um, you know, my, my Cuban counterparts, they'll always say, yo no me fui de Cuba to do X, Y, and Z. Yo no salí de Cuba to do the same thing. My parents didn't leave Dominican Republic for me to be yeah. meek, for me to yes. not take full advantage of the sacrifices they made. My dad mm-hmm. was a um, doctor in the Dominican Republic. He was a mm-hmm. medical examiner. He was an OBG. He'd done sort of everything. Um, same with my mom. Um, she left her career there to come to the United States and literally sweep floors and be janitors and clean offices and work in a shoe factory Mm. for me to have the opportunity to pursue these things. So I Mm -hmm. would be doing them and their sacrifices a disservice. And yes, I am the oldest daughter of immigrants, so I'm not okay, but I'm trying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm trying because we also carry that, right? All my oldest daughters know what the hell I'm talking about Mm -hmm. (laughs) right now. You have to help raise your siblings. I'm the oldest of four. You have to make mm. dinner for people while pursuing your dreams, while seeing your parents um, struggle, but try to carry it all with grace and with pride. And yeah. it's very, that's really the main reason that I work so hard, why I mm. push so hard, because I'm not going to let them down. Not because they yeah. put this on me. They didn't sure. put this on my shoulders, but I'm, I'll be damned. Yeah. I'll be damned if I let all of that be for nothing. All right, I'm going to hop in here real quick one more time. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes 
I guess identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back. And another part of this whole conversation I want to touch on, that's like MJ the person, right? Because the other nuance to this is you have a job that is very demanding of you mentally time-wise has you traveling constantly doing things like that and that is out of the norm of the traditional american household right the mindset of it's usually the husband the father the dad that's the one traveling for business all the time doing these different things right and i'm curious how you find that balance of having the family life, you know, which is obviously incredibly important and, and goals, but also striving to achieve at such a high level and the amount of demand that comes from you, um, you know, really putting your all into this career. I, it's a loaded question for sure. Yeah. Um, shout out to my husband, who is the most supportive partner I could have ever asked for. I mm. mean, at every single turn. And this is a Puerto Rican man, okay? His <laughs> wife works in a male-dominated industry. Yeah. Um, and he's never once flinched at me having to do an assignment, has never ever questioned how my trips went. He knows, one, who I am and how I rock and how I, get, uh, how I, how I navigate things. But mm. two, always leads from a place of, what can I do for you? Mm. How can I make this easier on you? Mm. What can you? So we found that balance within our relationship. We've been together 11 years. Um, we found that balance of our family life and what our reality looks like. I don't do a normal job, neither does he. And -hmm. so we knew that our normal was never going to be what traditionally we were taught the norm was going to be. So that's one aspect of it. Um, But the other one was reimagining what that family life looks like. You know, I'm 39 years old. So for many, many years, it was, Mm -hmm. when are the kids coming? When, you know, and I think a lot of folks, if you're an older, an elder millennial, as I like, <laughs> a lot of us are either waiting longer to have children and have decided that we don't want them. Right. Yeah. Like, and that's OK, too, whatever the mm. reality of your life. And I think that's the other point of it. Mm. We are allowed to reimagine what our happiness, what our lives look like. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be on that traditional spectrum or timeline that we've seen growing up. Because mm-hmm. of those sacrifices that our parents made and our family members before us made, we have this beautiful gift of being mm-hmm. able to navigate this world in a different way that works best for us. Now, mm-hmm. is it perfect? Of course not. That's life. Life sure. be life. Mm-hmm. But I'm really working on giving myself grace on not, on not pressuring myself to have this done by this date or to have this quote unquote accomplishment by this date. And just be where my feet are and present 
on what's happening mm. around me and within me at the right time and checking in right with my partner, checking in with my family, but also mm. um, caring only as much as I can hold. And to your point, everything is pulling from me at all times. Mm -hmm. My job is literally to be on all yeah. the time. And sometimes mm -hmm. I get home and I'm like a shell. Yeah. Like honestly, You're drained. I'm drained, but I also have to pour into my husband. I have to pour yeah. into my marriage. I have to pour into our puppy, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like at any point, you know, I, I do a lot of mentorship. Mentorship is really important. To me. And mm -hmm. there'll be times where I'm just like, oh my God, I don't have one more thing left than me. And a young woman will text me and I'm like, what do you need, sis? Yeah instinctually without even thinking about it but that also pulls right so i think it's important yeah. to find the moment where you can reset and sometimes shit that's not possible you know? sure it is what yeah. it is um so we have to pull through i actually want to give a shout out to all the women in this industry who have children who they have i'm mm. like sis how are you how right right yeah. how and they do it you figure mm. it out every single day so even if it doesn't look nor quote unquote normal i wish I, we could eradicate that word <laughs> because mm. i don't think it exists anymore in right. the year of the barbie movie like come on <laughs> <laughs> i love the Barbie movie, but I, I i love how yeah you're, you're defining your own normal right and that's yeah. okay it doesn't have to be one that makes sense to anybody outside of legitimately you and your partner exactly. essentially right and your immediate family um but i i'm curious also you know, as somebody who's obviously a high achiever, right? And mm -hmm. and this is something that I struggle with a lot as well. I mean, it's easy to just keep constantly making new goals, right? And and keep trying to top the last thing. And even just looking back on some of your career accolades, it's obvious you're mm -hmm. looking for the next step, the next step, the next step. For sure. Do, do you have a line where you're just kind of like, I think enough would be enough here? Because the, as is like the age old saying, like a yes to one thing is a no to something else, right? You can't have it both ways. So being pulled in all these directions, having a more, even more demanding job, a more demanding schedule means less time for the other things in your life. Mm -hmm. I'm curious for you, how you sort of navigate, maybe even knowing like when you can say I'm, I'm kind of good and I, I kind of want to deviate, I don't know, maybe the career ambitions a little bit and pour more into this other part of me. Yeah, I mean, not us having whole therapy session. Um, <laughs> I, love, I love it. Because that is a very real question. And I think yeah. now with social media, it's even harder mm. to to find that to find that boundary. Yeah. To find that that part of you that doesn't want not only the external validation, but that's in the rat race, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh shit, well, okay, if these folks that are in that are my peers are achieving mm -hmm. this or are gaining yep. or on this list or are getting this award, it's yeah. I'm gonna be real with you. Like the folks who say like I don't look at that, I do. I'm like, damn, yeah. should I be getting this award? <laughs> Why wasn't on the I on that list? It's just yeah. a natural reaction. One hundred percent we are in a space that is competitive. And I mean that mm -hmm. to be in a healthy way because right. most of my closest friends, our little group chat that keeps me mm -hmm. sustained on a daily basis mm -hmm. is all women of color, black and brown women who work mm. on TV and media. And yeah. we have been rocking together for over a decade. And they are my biggest supporters, my biggest cheerleaders and vice versa. Yeah. Um, and both things can exist at once. You can be like, yes, sis, I'm so proud of you. And be like, right. should I have put in for that? Did right. I do enough? Both things can be true at the same time. Right. So well, that's me, the other thing, not, not, not to cut you off, but like what, what you were yeah. talking about, also what makes it hard is we're all, all also our own personal brand, right? Mm -hmm. So like, it's right. hard to not take shit personally exactly. in, to a degree, exactly. right? Like, 
like, and I understand we're not, not supposed to, like, right, yeah. right. But it's not like I work for this company and that company goes under and like, okay, it wasn't my fault. Right. It's like, if I get let go or I don't get that opportunity, how could I not feel like I could have done something else to get the result I wanted? Exactly that. Exactly that. It's really hard not to put the onus always on yourself because right. you are the job. You are yeah. the business. I'm a business mm-hmm man, like <laughs> Daisy said it perfectly, you know what yeah. I mean? And we really, really are. And now, and let me tell you something, the social media marketing stuff is not going away. I think it yeah. will transition and it will evolve, but more and more, more of us, of who we are mm-hmm. is, is required almost mm-hmm. in the industry, yeah. you know? So it's really, really hard. But back to your original question of like finding that space, I still haven't found it, to be mm-hmm. honest with you, to, to say no to something. Like I've been in this business for 15 years. I work at the network level. There's Mm -hmm. a handful of us. I can count us on one hand, black and brown women who are Mm -hmm. hosting on a network in sports. It's very few and far between. And yet I'm still thinking the mentality is what's next. I have not done enough. I have not made it. I don't think I'll ever lose that aspect of it. But I think what I'm trying to practice is the grace and the gratitude, not for knowing my place. Oh my God, I'm so happy just to be here. I'm not mm-hmm. just happy to be here. I'm here to work. Of course. Yeah. But also reminding myself, like, oh, God, I that. like mm-hmm. this wasn't an accident. This wasn't by mistake. And no one handed this to me, certainly. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's it's reminding myself of all the work that I've put in and how much I actually have accomplished. Like my ancestors could have never pictured this. Or maybe mm-hmm. I certainly did it. Sure. I got into this career much later on in my late 20s, which in journalism, as you know, whoa, child. oh, yeah, like, yep. You and I are so, in the same boat there, actually. Uh, so literally, I'm still the trying same. To figure yeah. that out. if you if you find the answer, please send it my way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the answer. I just know right. I've been I've been blessed enough to meet people I've looked up to. I've been blessed yeah. enough to meet very successful people. And I know that not all of them are actually happy, even though they have all of the outward facing mm. success that I would dreamt about. Right. And yep. that's been the greatest blessing is being able to see kind of behind the curtain to know I have yep. to keep this in the back of my mind that I can't be go, go, go all the time. Now, right. where that line is, I haven't figured that part out yet. Exactly. Right. You know, so I'm, I'm still on that journey with you. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. One day, one day we'll, yeah. we'll eventually get there. And it's okay not to have the answer, right? Yes. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, so I, the last thing I want to just touch on is, is that background you talk about a little bit, right? Because I think there are, like you said, in our industry, the idea of starting in your late twenties—it's like, oh, you're ancient. You're out of you're you're almost out of you're our ancient. demo, right? Yeah, right. basically, it feels that way. It feels that right. way. You're right. you're out of our de- our target demographic, right? And you know, for you then making that that pivot, I'm just curious about some of the mindset, the decision making, the conversations that were happening from family when you're telling them that you want to go down this route. Um, because what a lot of people don't know is also when you are on local tv it is not this glamorous high-paying job that a lot of people think because you have cameras on you it is a grind um so i would love to just hear a little bit of the mindset of that phase of your life making that pivot and the initial stages in media yeah uh i think to your point like my parents definitely their only concern was that one i got an education and two that i get a safe and secure job so they wanted Mm -hmm. to me to go down business or finance, yeah. math and I, not friends. I'm clearly <laughs> tech, right? Like, right I, yeah. I'm more on that side of the brain. Um, but they yeah. really just wanted me to have stability and security, which is mm. fair. They sure. strive for that. I made tremendous inroads in making sure that my siblings and I had that for however that looked. 
Um, mm-hmm. So all they wanted was to be a little bit easier for me. And all I wanted to do was be a performer. And they were right. like, great. Here we go. <laughs> so right. I've, I've been a dancer my entire life. Um, mm-hmm. I, I remember I got my first job. It was at Babies Are Us. Uh, I must have been like 15, I guess, was the earliest you could actually get like a W yeah. job. And the only reason I got that job was so that I could pay for a dance studio. Mm. So that I could go to this dance studio my parents couldn't afford that. They're like, are you crazy? How much is this yeah. a month? Absolutely not. Right. Please go do your homework and show <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I remember, okay, fine. If you can't do it, um, I'm certainly not going to like, bet. I was not a tantrum kid. Please, mm-hmm. please be for real. Um, right. I was like, okay, how can I figure this out? So I was like, all right, I'll get a job and I'll do it myself. Mm. Dance ultimately, following that passion led me to this career mm. and this other passion of my life. Um, I remember I dropped out of college, which my parents didn't know at the time. Mm. I can say that now. For wow. Am I right. <laughs> um, but I dropped out of college because all I was doing was accumulating student loan debt. Like, yeah. good God. So I yeah. said, let me just let me just step away and follow and step into what I really want to do, because I can't. Mm-hmm. This is not a failure. If I'm actually pursuing something that fuels me and I can mm-hmm. still pay my bills, I will. So I went on tour. Uh, I was on Daddy Yankee's tour for a while. Mm. I, I was in Miami at the time. So I was dancing at a lot of Latin music venues and with artists. And it was an incredible part. I got to see the world. I got to travel outside the U.S. And I mm. really learned how to manage myself as an adult in my early 20s. Eventually, I got cast on a TV show. Mm. I don't know if you remember this or how many of, of, the, of the listeners will remember this. But it was on a sister network to Telemundo. It was called Mundos. The show was mm. called The Roof. Um, and it was a music show. So we had a DJ, yeah. he was spinning, mm-hmm. artists would come in, people would call in. And I was one of the dancers on the show. But walking yeah. onto that set, I fell in love with just the cr- how you created the show. I would look mm-hmm. at the hosts and I'm like, wait, I could do that. I've always been mm-hmm. extrovert. I would host like all the quinceañeras in my family and stuff like that. But <laughs> I didn't know, to your point, that that was something I could turn into a career. Right. right. Even the preparations for putting together like the Kingse run of show. I didn't know it was yeah. a run of show, but that's what it was, right? So it yeah. was this beautiful, like kismet situation where all of these things just clicked. I was probably mm. 25 at the time. The next semester, I re-enrolled in school as a broadcast major. And the rest, as they say, is history. I wow. was so laser focused because I felt like, yes, this mm. is it. And I know that there's a way for me to do it. And I know that I can be successful at this. So yeah. I never looked back, but I started out in local news. I did a lot of one man band for those who don't know is your, your own camera person, your own editor, your mm-hmm. cutting packages, which is like the big stories that you see put together on the news. You have to edit on the fly. You're on deadline. I worked the morning shift. So I was up at two in the morning mm-hmm. on air by four 30. I covered traffic. I covered the weather. Um, I did anchoring. I did hard news. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did it all because I wanted to fi- figure out which way could I do it. And because I was bilingual, I got mm. to start in Miami, mm. one of the biggest markets in the country. Mm-hmm. And it was tough. I made a lot of mistakes, went through a whole bunch there as well. But I knew that that was the path. I didn't care that I had to be up at 2 a.m. every day, mm-hmm. hauling around all this equipment, going on the live news truck, knocking on people's door on the worst day of their lives. Mm. Um, all of it made me better for the wear. And because I knew that I loved it, and it took me a little longer to get there, but man, was it worth it? Really? Mm-hmm. Worth it. No, I, I absolutely love that. And I love like, you don't have to have it all figured out, right? I feel like people get no. so caught up in like the fucking planning phase of it all and like uh. think that they have to know 
where they're going and have the answer to everything. And it's like, you're going to be exactly. far more like better off just starting tripping, making the just mistakes, getting embarrassed. And yep. you're going to eventually figure it out at some point, but you have to start. And I did. I took a lot of L's. Okay. Let's be <laughs> Same. a lot of mistakes. I did a lot of L's because the back back part of starting in a major market was you're, yeah. you're next to all of these seasoned yes. reporters and seasoned anchors. And I'm yes. like, Oh shit. Like I, yeah. I got it. Okay. And it wasn't right. fake it till I made it. Like I could not fake it because I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. right. So I made mistakes and I embarrassed myself, but I got back up every time. And mm. it's very hard when you make a mistake on television to Oof. own it and then come mm. back the next day and still do your job. Yeah. Yeah. And not worry that, oh my God. And like my bosses gave me grace. And thankfully I had on the sports side, tremendous mentors who said, mm. you can do this. You are talented. Just keep going. Like we're all going to fuck up once in a while. Yeah. We're going to say the wrong stat. We're going to mispronounce a name. We're going to freeze. Mm-hmm. You know, we're human. Um, but it was that belief, belief in myself and others who believed in me too. Um, that I was like, all right, well, let's just, and thankfully, you know, yeah. this was like 2010 ish. So like social media wasn't what it was. Today. Right. <laughs> I for sure would have gone viral quite a oh, few yeah. times. <laughs> it would have been a meme somewhere. Uh, somebody's phone. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. Yes, for sure. For sure. Well, MJ, it's been. It's such a pleasure getting to to meet you. I'm inspired. I definitely feel seen, and and definitely you're doing some really important work. Um, so I, I want to commend you and give you your flowers and, and let you know that obviously you already know that you're doing important work, but we see it and it's um, it's inspiring. So thank you so much for for all that you do. That means so so much. And like, look, we're we're stronger together, right? So just mm-hmm. a big, if if nothing else, whatever industry, whatever space you operated, lift as you climb. Lift as you climb and make sure that those people that you're still keeping a tight tether on that rope. Don't lift somebody up and then let go of the slack. Mm. You know, we need we need the peer-to-peer mentorship. Um, we we need to not just leave it better than it was, but also help folks navigate through it as well. Mm. I think that's a, a really important piece of the puzzle. Absolutely. And where can people follow you? I know we got El Huddle, the podcast. Um, people could check yes. that out. What else uh, should people yeah. be looking out for? I've got a lot of, thankfully, a lot of projects coming on the way, some things in the works, but you can follow it all along. Um, I'm MJ Acosta TV on all of my, all of my channels. MJ Acosta Ruiz TV was too long. So we did <laughs> MJ Acosta TV. Kept it with the classic, gotcha. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Well, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for, for hopping on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Great therapy session. Appreciate it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Man, big shout out to my guest. This week, MJ Acosta Ruiz from the El Huddle podcast. Um, just absolutely amazing. She's also a host of uh, NFL Total Access, of course, as well. I'm just fucking inspired. We'll, we'll get into that. I'll do a quick conclusion, Stu, even though I'm in vacation mode. Um, so with that said, let's just get right into conclusion, Stu. Time for conclusion, Stu. Mm. Man, so I, I love these types of conversations because I think it really excites me to see people doing the work, right? And people who understand the position that they're in, it's bigger than just themselves, right? And I know it doesn't have to be, but it should be, right? Because we all want to want to leave this world a bit better than the way we found it, right? Or I hope that that's kind of all of our goals, right? And in entertainment and in media, oftentimes it's an incredibly selfish 
sort of sector of of our culture, right? It is very much people being about themselves, trying to get their own, you know, way ahead. And I'm really inspired when I get to hear other people who, like me, understand the sort of uh, weight that comes with having any sort of success in this field, especially when we are the minority, right? And recognizes, and not only recognizes, but steps up to the plate in order to be a, a person who is being a great representative, who is putting on for our community, right? Who is also um, sort of being unafraid to uh, check people and to make sure that that things are, are happening, um, you know, favorably for us, right? To really make sure we're being portrayed in a positive light. And, and again, understanding that they are more than just a person in media, but they are somebody representing an entire culture of people and potentially inspiring, you know, more and more people from our community to go out there and, and, and live in their greatness, right? And really help us progress as a, as a culture, as a community, as a people. And um, I just love when I get to, to sit down with people like MJ who understand that and embrace it um, and are, are really doing their best to, to do their part, right? To, to be a positive force for the community and, and be an inspiration for, for all of us, which she is for sure. So big shout out to, to MJ for, for hopping on the show. Um, again, this is a special kind of two-part thing you're going to get then now my interview that I did when I went on their show, El Huddle. Um, and definitely go check out that podcast. It's really, really cool, especially if you're a sports fan, obviously, NFL fan. Um, it's great to to kind of be taking up space in places that are kind of unexpected, right? To have a Spanglish show that talks about football um, and then beyond that talks about the Latin community, you know, in combination with that, I think is absolutely amazing. So um, again, this is the kind of first part of it. We'll drop this here and then on the feed, uh, you'll also be able to hear my interview with them. We'll all keep it on the same life as a getting go feed. Um, but definitely go check out their show. Go subscribe to it. Uh, go binge it while we are off here, while I'm in the off season of my own podcast. And thank you all so much for for tuning into this, man. I, I hope you aren't missing me too much. I miss all of y'all. Um, it feels it feels nice to kind of be back in podcasting mode, even though I'm kind of like on, a, on the road doing it. But I'm, uh, I'm, I'm grateful to have the opportunity to come back in February. I hope you all haven't forgotten about me. Uh, also just a quick little aside while I have you here, I recorded my first ever talk special. We did it virtually shout out to everybody that came and participated in that via zoom. I'm then going to release it on my YouTube channel in full for anybody that wasn't able to be there. So you'll be able to check that out as well. Um, so really cool thing I'm trying to do. I'm trying to like bring the entertainment value into like the sort of, um, speaking engagement stuff that I've been doing and, and just a new way I feel like to communicate to our community in like a really real and raw way that doesn't feel so bland and boring and preachy um, that we can still have fun, but talk about real shit and, and, you know, leave inspired at the same time as well as hopefully entertain. So that's the goal. A little preview of what I'm working on for 2024. With that said, have an amazing holiday. I miss y'all so damn much. I will see you in February, like for real, for real. Um, But I hope you enjoyed this special episode that I recorded for y'all as well as the upcoming interview from El Huddle podcast and go check those guys out. They're absolutely amazing. So Appreciate y'all once again. Have an amazing holiday, amazing new year, and I will catch y'all in February. Peace. Life as a Gringo is a production of the Michael Tura Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss 
host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 